Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You. And now here's Connie. when I come across doctors and others who work in traditional medicine embracing integrative approaches to wellness. Today I'm talking to someone who has combined the wisdom of both traditional or Western medicine with Eastern approaches to treat the whole patient. It's it's just so exciting, really. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast about living a whole life in body, mind, and spirit. I'm your host, Connie Bowman. I've been doing this podcast for, gosh, more than three years now, it's hard to believe, and I've talked to so many awesome people, and today is no different. I have a physician, a surgeon, she's an Ayurvedic health coach, an author, and an overall health and wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Summers Cologne. She creates individualized treatment plans, she does yoga sequences with her clients, she creates meal plans. And one of her greatest strengths is her ability to combine, as I said, the best of Eastern and Western medicine to treat the patient as a whole person. It's so refreshing, so awesome. When traditional medicine didn't work for her own health issues, Dr. Michelle dug deeper and she found that food is medicine and that yoga, Ayurveda, and meditation are keys to perfect health. She's the creator of the Body Wisdom Coaching Program, and she's been interviewed and quoted in so many prominent publications, and now here she is on Happy Healthy You, the podcast. Thanks, Dr. Michelle, for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Connie. I'm really excited to be here today. Thanks. So tell me what kind of doctor you are first. Uh, talk about that a little bit, your traditional medicine background. Well, I'm a surgeon, a foot surgeon, a podiatrist. I specialize in diabetics and diabetic limb salvage. And one of my passions is to help diabetics reverse their disease. So I'm teaching them how to do it through yoga and Ayurveda and nutrition because I don't want to amputate any more people's feet. Mm, yeah, I guess you see a lot of that. And wow, that's got to be a pretty profound thing dealing with that. Talk about your own story and how you came to embrace more of these uh, integrative approaches. Sure. I was having a lot of issues with my GI system and I was going to specialists, the best doctors in LA that I could find and was getting pretty much nowhere with that. Um, I was just been I was just given prescriptions to take this or to take that, and they kind of acted like it wasn't a big deal. Um, but it was a big deal to me because I was feeling sick every night after dinner, regardless of what I ate, and I just really needed some answers. So I started looking into different types of holistic medicine, and that's when I came across Ayurveda. And once I really dug deeper into what Ayurveda did, that's when I also started doing yoga. And I became trained in yoga a few years ago, and now I can teach yoga to my patients as well as the things that I've learned in Ayurveda through foods and herbs and other ways that they can start getting healthier without taking prescription medications. It is so cool that you're on the podcast today because you know how things just kind of happen, unfold when you get on this sort of more spiritual path? Things just mm -hmm. come across, and Ayurveda has been 
inundating me with information. So I think there's some there's a message here for me. Um, talk about what Ayurveda is. I mean, it's the sister science to yoga, so I I'm aware of it and I've done some a little bit of study of it, but I. I I'm feeling the impetus to learn a lot more and get a little deeper into it. So for those who aren't familiar with it, talk about what it is. Yeah, so what Ayurveda is, it translates to the science of life. And it's the oldest form of medicine that's been documented. It's over 5,000 years old, comes from India, and it's still practiced in India today. Um, In most of the Western cultures, it's not practiced as much. So what Ayurveda does is it really focuses on bringing everything back into balance. And so we try to have everything back in balance with nature. So we wake up when the sun rises, we go to bed when, you know, the sun goes down, we winding down our day and we eat at the right times of day. So when the sun is at its peak in the middle of the day, that's when we have our biggest meal, things like that. So we're really just talking about getting back in sync with nature back in, in rhythm, and and it also goes into a little bit deeper talking about different body types. And for someone that has a really narrow frame, they, they're one constitution or body type versus someone that might be heavier. And so those two different body types are going to require different types of foods just to get back into balance. And those are and called if, the doshas, the doshas, that's, right? That's, yep. Yeah, that's right. And so it really depends on how people are made up in terms of what foods, what types of exercise, what types of yoga, because we know there's so many types of yoga, right? Yeah, so um, some people do really well with the really power core, and then other people need the more gentle, restorative types to feel good. So we really get into that, and it's really individualized once we figure out what the person's body type is and what makes them tick. This is all part of the body wisdom coaching program that you have come up with. Maybe you could talk about that also and what that is all about. Yeah, so I've put my program together and it's a 10-week program where we dive deeper into each one of these topics and we talk about everything from meditation to our nutrition, uh, focusing on a plant-based diet and we really go deep into the sleep sleep habits and why it's so important to get enough sleep because so many of us, especially women entrepreneurs, we're burning the candle at both ends. We're taking care of our family and we're running a business and we're not really taking the time to take care of ourselves. Mm, so true. And, and, you know, almost everybody I talk to has a story about sleep issues. I think it's so rampant nowadays. I don't know what it is. Do you have a sense of what is causing that? Yeah, I think that what's happening is people are trying to get so much done in a day that they end up putting things up, like using the end of the day when we really should be winding down. They're using that time of day to get things done. And so they're staying up too late, trying to get everything done, and their sleep is suffering for it because they're still getting up early to get their kids off to school or to start mm. their you know, client appointments or whatever. And so they're they're just doing too much at night and that's really affecting their sleep. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so we talked a little before this podcast about how you work with your clients to create new healthy habits and you take it sort of on a step-by-step basis and you, I love this idea because you, you create, for example, better sleep habits one week and then you work with them the next week on something else. Can you talk a little bit about that and how, creating new healthy habits can really shift us back into balance? 
Yeah, like what I was saying about the sleep, it really boils down to, you know, the three really, the first three that we work on are the most important ones. And those have to do with food and sleep and exercise. Uh, Of course, everyone knows that we have to eat well and we have to do exercise in order to feel healthy. But having that really scheduled into our day sometimes can be really difficult. So we really work on first our meal times and making sure we're eating at the right times of day and we're not eating too late before we go to bed because then that's going to affect our sleep. So each one affects the other one down the line and we really have to eat the right types of things at the right times of day in order to feel good and get good night's sleep so that the following day will be productive and energetic and feel good. So you really have to Um, look at what you're doing the previous day to start feeling good the next day. And then we, once we get those two down, the food, the eating, the eating schedule and the sleeping schedule, then we move on to starting our day, right. Having a good morning practice, um, whether that means meditating or just taking a few deep breaths before we get out of bed. Um, you know, for everyone, it's a little bit different, but we have to do something in the morning to start our day on the right foot then we can start moving into our exercise routines and what do we need to do. Some people haven't exercised in years and then they come into a program like this or, or into a boot camp or something and, and they want to go all out and you know lose 50 pounds. And if, if that's their goal right off the bat, they, they're probably going to fail because you have to take it in smaller steps. So instead of saying, okay, my goal is to lose 50 pounds, um, we break it into smaller goals. Like, okay, my, my goal is to start exercising five minutes a day. And mm-hmm. then once you build that up to 20 minutes and we start working on all these other habits, then they can start working on the weight loss and losing, you know, so much weight in such amount of time rather than just having that one big goal because that really sets them up for failure. failure I love that you say that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you You say that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think what happens though, when you start these, these programs, a lot of times people do get set up for failure if they have too lofty a goal. So it has to be that something that is actually attainable. But when the when the progress is so slow, for example, I teach boot camp and we do and I teach yoga at boot camp too. So it's a nice combination. But we are working with people who are trying to lose large amounts of weight. And a lot of times there's a whole block of time that goes by and they really haven't lost a lot. Do you have any suggestions for people who are who who may be feeling like, you know, not enough's happening fast enough. How do you keep people engaged in the process? Yeah, you re- we really have to dig deeper with them and find out, you know, what really got them into that state in the first place and remind them that they didn't gain that weight in a week. So they're not going to be able to lose that weight in a week. Mm-hmm. You know, it took them five years, maybe or 10 years to gain all that weight. And that doesn't mean it's going to take them five years to lose it, but they're not going to lose it in a week. So they have to be realistic and we have to find out what it was, you know, what's going on, whether it's emotional, something at home or, or their just their overall lifestyle, what it is that really got them there in the first place and start working on that little by little. Mm-hmm. And so working on several areas of your life at the same time, but in baby steps really brings out huge changes in them. Mm, mm. I think that's good for just about everything. If you're trying to make any kind of a positive change in your life, give yourself, cut yourself some slack and take it slow. <laughs> yeah. Often, yeah. too often we want to, we want to jump right in. 
So let's talk about some of the most challenging habits to, to create in life. I, for me, I think this morning meditation has been an ongoing challenge for me. Um, I, I so want to do it. I did a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat, silent retreat. It was totally immersing myself in that that lifestyle, but yet I came home and I still don't do it every day. So what would you say to someone like me who really genuinely wants it, but just kind kind of hasn't been able to be successful creating that? Yeah, that's a really common one. A lot of people say that they've wanted to do that for a long time. Um, what I do is start them off slowly, start them off in really small increments. And we start off with, before you get out of bed, you just take a moment with your eyes closed and picture how your day is going to be in a positive way. So if you know you're going to be running around, taking the kids to school and then going back to your office and working Instead of thinking of it like that in a rushed way, you just kind of think of it like, oh, today's going to be such a great day. I get to drop my kids off at school, say bye to them, and then I get to work with wonderful clients all day today. And you just kind of word everything in a very positive way and picture your day going by in an easeful way. And then you can just take like two or three deep breaths, and then that's your whole meditation for the morning. And you just start off like that really, really small rather than trying to start off with a 20-minute silent meditation, you know, every morning, because that's hard to start. Um, and then once they got that under their belt for about a week, then we move on to, okay, let's do five minutes. Um, for some people who still can't sit for five minutes, then what we'll do is do three minutes three times a day. So they'll do morning, lunchtime maybe, and then evening. And so we just kind of find what works for each person. But really starting them off small because – that when they can get a little bit of progress, then they get a little bit more motivated to do more the next time. Hmm. Is there a way to reward ourselves? That's what I'm thinking. Maybe I just need a little reward for doing my meditation. Although doing it, it is always a reward. I don't know why I say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doing it is the reward. Totally. Yeah, sometimes it's good to just have, um, you know, accountability partners for that. Mm. Just check in and say, you know, yeah, I did mine today. Did you do yours? And, oh, good and idea. That, that's Even just idea. having something simple like that really makes you feel good. Mm, good idea. Good idea. All right. Well, let's move into nutrition and talk about some ways. This is the summer. It's such a great time to start a new healthy habit. We just had a full moon, another good time to start a, a new healthy habit and, and let go of old ones that are not so good. Can you give us some, some suggestions for creating new uh, habits along those lines? Yeah, one of the things that I like to do is do, I like to do a, a juicing detox with the change of the season. Oh, so this week with the change and the summer solstice is a really good time to do a detox. Um, and so I have some different recipes that I use, but basically I do juices and smoothies in the morning and I do soups in the afternoon for, for lunch and for dinner. And and so you're still getting all kinds of nutrients. You're still getting fruits and vegetables and pretty much no processed food for that whole time. No caffeine and no alcohol. And that's like a really simple detox. And that is really nourishing and it's very filling, even though for some people it might sound like that's too much of a liquid diet and it's not going to fill me up. But you can put a lot of things in your soup. You can put a lot of vegetables. And so mm -hmm. it's actually a really um, a really nutritious way to do a d detox. Mm. And there's so many good herbal teas to throw in there too, I think. I, I love mm -hmm. herbal teas, no calories, and 
and just they're medicinal too as well. So right. How about with Ayurveda uh, and the body types? How um, specific? Because it gets pretty complicated with the three doshas and then their combinations. I think I'm like a Vata Pitta. So um, in this, and then and then here to further complicate it. This is just my my basic understanding. Each season and each even parts of different seasons ha- are aligned with the different doshas so you want to sort of eat in alignment can you talk about that a little bit yeah and that was um like what i was saying before that in ayurveda we always want to be in alignment with nature so in the summer we want to eat foods that grow in the summer so we want to eat fruits and vegetables that are naturally growing in the summer rather than going to the store and buying you know foods that may be um, winter foods So we want to eat cool foods like watermelon and and just things that we know grow in the summertime. And we want to do that for each season. And that's why in the fall, um, you know, people eat comfort food because those are the types of foods that are that are natural for that season. But, yes, you also have to look at your dosha, because if um, like let's take a vata, for example, they they like comfort foods all the time. So for for them, comfort foods are going to feel good even in the summertime. Whereas for another dosha, if they're eating a warm comfort comfort food like a soup or a stew in the summertime, they're not going to feel good. They're going to get too hot. Like a pitta is going to feel too hot. Like I can't eat soup in the summer. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. But a vata will love soup like every day. So, so yeah, you you kind of have to figure out um, what feels best for you and based on the season and your dosha. So. Right. And don't leave kapha out because uh, you right. mentioned both of them. So what would they eat during the summertime to make them so, feel? So, yeah, kapha is very a very water-based dosha. And so they do like to eat a lot of things that are um, that are heavy and watery. But if they eat too much of it, they can gain weight. So they have to really look at what fruits and vegetables they can eat that are going to satisfy them and make them feel good. But at the same time, not too much of it because then they'll, they'll, they tend to hold on to weight. So you really have to customize for each client that comes to you. That's, that's really cool. Cause everybody's yeah. con- constitution is so unique. So, right. So cool. Um, I want to also talk about sleep habits, but before we do, let's talk about creating good exercise habits. I think that's another uh, and maybe since we're in the summer season, let's talk about all the great opportunities for outdoor exercise that that comes in the summer. It's just it's such an awesome time. Yeah, exercise is another one of the habits that is really difficult for a lot of people because, like I was saying, some people come into this program or into other programs and they haven't exercised in years and they and they want to do it, but they just don't know how to get started. And so we sometimes start them off with doing five minutes a day of exercise and which might sound like really lame to someone that's been exercising for years, but to someone who's been sitting on the couch for years, that sounds really scary and really hard. Mm -hmm. And so, um, what I start them out with, with is whatever exercise makes you feel good. That's what I want you to do for five minutes Mm -hmm. every single morning for a whole week. And then we're going to move up to 10 minutes and, um, And so sometimes it's just dancing, like they want to throw a dance party in their living room. Like, great. If that's going to get you up and moving for five minutes, do a dance party. If you can get outside and walk around the block, it's probably going to take you more than five minutes. But so, you know, it's another way to get them to do more. But um, 
with the nice weather, it's so great if they can just go outside and walk around the block or walk around a couple blocks. Um, so that's what I like to do with them just to get them started for people that are already exercisers and they've already, that's not a hard one for them. Then yeah, we start, we start working with, um, how they can start alternating their, their workouts between hard and soft. So that's another, um, principle in Ayurveda is pulsation. So you don't want to do the same type of workout every day. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't want to run every single day. You want to vary it. So run one day, do yoga another day, lift weights another day to keep everything going between hard and soft, hard and soft. You want that contrast. Yeah. And maybe talk about the different doshas and what kinds of exercises might be good for each one generally. I mean, I know it's pretty specific, like we said, but yeah, so like the pittas, they tend to get heated very easily. So for them, um, you know, doing stuff outside in the sun might be too intense in the summer. So they're going to really do best with water sports. Like swimming. Um, and yeah, Swimming. Um, they can do things like biking because the wind is cooling on them. Um, things like that they're going to do really well with. For vatas who um, who they they usually do better with gentler things and they don't want to put them through too strenuous of an activity like sprinting is going to be too hard for them they're going to they're going to fatigue out so um just doing things like walking hiking um different types of yoga stuff that's a little bit slower okay. is more of their pace okay and then the mm-hmm. kapas they're the real like the real kind of big teddy bears <laughs> what are they like yeah, the kaffas they they like um, they also need a little bit more of a strenuous activity because they tend to be a little. I don't want to say the word lazy, even though that's in a lot of the textbooks. Um, they tend to take it easy if you let them. Uh-huh. So um, so you have to give them a little bit of a challenge. So for them, more of a vinyasa type yoga, more of a more of a core workout is really what they need because if you just let them slack off they will Mm. so you have to be a little bit harder with them on the exercise because they they need a little bit of a challenge yeah and and i think i think one of the things that i've noticed in my exercise i'm a swimmer and i'm a runner and sometimes when i'm feeling lazy if i can just get myself to that first quarter mile um or that first mile for my run quarter mile for my swim i get that that sort of second wind like it takes a while to warm up and really, and if you can get that person or for me to get to that point where it's, it's starting, I start to get in my pace and I feel a little more balance in my breathing. And, um, yeah. So just encouraging people to, to keep going when they feel like quitting in the beginning. I think that's for me helpful. So, yeah. 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 All right. Let's get to sleep because as we said in the beginning, so many people are, really struggling with sleep and staying asleep. Uh, I hear so many people say they wake up at three in the morning. So mm-hmm. what do you, what do you recommend? Okay. So there's a couple different issues. So the first one is, um, someone that is waking up and so they're not having a really good nighttime sleep. They need to start working on nighttime practices, um, nighttime routines that are calming, relaxing and soothing. And, like I said, sometimes some of this sounds like common sense, but, but we're not all doing it. So we need to talk about it. So things like taking a bubble bath before you go to bed versus a shower, Mm -hmm. um, drinking an herbal warm tea, um, 
massaging your feet, we have a whole section on self-massage. And so you want to massage your feet with oils like lavender and things like that that are calming and relaxing. And there's so many different types of essential oils that could fit into that category. But most people know lavender, so that's an easy one. Mm -hmm. Um, So doing those type of routines before you go to bed, it's really going to help you sleep deeper. Okay. Um, The other thing is we try to aim for going to bed at 10 o'clock because this is just in line with the with the natural clock the um, doshik clock is what it's called in ayurveda and so we aim for people to go to bed at 10 and in order for that to happen and for them to fall asleep quickly um, they really have to start turning off all of their electronics and computers and cell phones and tvs an hour before they go to bed so mm-hmm. Turning everything off at nine o'clock and then getting to bed by 10 o'clock is really hard for a lot of people in our really fast paced culture. So that's one of the things that people struggle with. And for someone that's going to bed at midnight, they're not going to be able to just make that switch in one day. They're going to have to gradually work into it. So we start pushing back their bedtime by 15 minutes at a time. So instead of midnight, We aim for 11.45, and once they can do that, then we just keep moving it back. So those are some of the strategies we use for people to get a deeper sleep and to get enough sleep because, like I said, we're still getting up early, most of us, to do all these things, get our kids to school and all this other stuff, but we're just going to bed too late, so we have to start going to bed earlier. And then with the doshas again, is would it be true that someone like a pitta who has a more fiery temperament constitution would would they be a little more high strung and require maybe turning off the the computer at eight o'clock instead of nine o'clock i mean is are there uh little tweaks for different doshas for sleep um depending sometimes depending on the person um some people do say that but really um, it's just trying to get to bed at 10 o'clock is the, is the thing that we really the focus basic. on for okay. all the doshas because that's just getting in line with the dosha clock. And then we aim for people to get up at 6 a.m. and not to sleep in past that because that's when the energy of the day shifts. And so for someone like a kapha, if they sleep past 6, they're getting up at 8 or 9, that's already the kapha part of the day, which is when they would like to get up. But that's when um, it's harder for them to get up. So we try to get them up before the lazy time of the day starts because then they're going to have even a harder time getting up. Mm-hmm. So there is there is some of that um, adjustments for different doshas like that. Yeah, there are different times of the day that are associated with the different doshas. So it's really mm-hmm. – Ayurveda is so interesting and it's such an ancient science. It's um, It's very fascinating. Yeah, what I love to see is um, the new scientific research coming out to prove these different theories in Ayurveda that we've known for so many thousands of years. And then they'll do a study and they'll say, hey, yoga really can reduce stress. Yeah, (laughs) Like, we've known that for so long. Yeah, been there, been there. So let's talk about some examples maybe of uh, clients that you've worked with that have really shown... Uh, improvement by working with this body wisdom, this, this idea of getting back into balance. And like, maybe you can talk, give us a little bit of, um, I guess by giving the example, you're giving us hope that over time we can really correct things and come back into that sense of equilibrium. That really is the basis for our happiness. I mean, that, that's what we're all looking for is that equilibrium, that balance that is, 
is really necessary for our, our, to thrive. Right. Yeah. I have a couple of really good examples. Um, one, this woman I've been working with and she's diabetic and she's been working with a personal trainer for five years. Um, and hasn't lost any weight, but she hasn't gained any, but she, her goal was to lose weight. So we started working on, um, changing her, her eating the way she eats because she was really snacking a lot during the day instead of eating meals. And she was eating too late at night. And we just worked on all the things that you and I just talked about. Mm -hmm. And she actually lowered her blood sugar from 200, which is out of range by far down to 150. Now it's still a little high, but that is a huge improvement in 10 weeks. So she's really excited about that. She also started losing some weight. And so she is um, really continuing on with the program on her own, even though we finished our program. I had another, another client who he, he was pretty, pretty set in his, in some of his ways. And he said that he's really doing well with most of the stuff, but he really was having problems with sleeping and with eating too late at night. So he really only worked with those two habits and he ended up losing 15 pounds in the first two months of the program just by changing his sleeping and his eating patterns. Mm, That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So some people, you know, just really want to focus on one or two of the habits because that's where they struggle the most. And that's perfectly a great way to go. Um, other people, you know, need a little bit of help in a lot of categories. And so that's why we work little by little with each one. Yeah, that's really good advice. What's the most surprising thing you found personally from working with some of these Ayurvedic principles? Have you noticed anything in your own life that has really changed over time? Yeah, I would say that um, for me, I think sleep was the biggest one because I was one of those people that would wake up all the time during the night. And when, when I do my practices, I sleep like a baby and, you know, I was someone who struggled with sleep probably for more than five years before I started really, um, looking into holistic medicine. And so for me, that is the biggest thing. And then the, the nutrition would be the other one because I was really having those issues. Like I said, in the beginning, and I thought I had a lot of food allergies, but what hap- what I really found out was that I was eating the wrong foods for my dosha and that was upsetting my stomach. And so when I started eating what was really recommended for me, my digestive system started getting back in sync. Mm, very cool. When you have clients come to you uh, for your traditional practice uh, and you're working with, say, someone with diabetes and um, some of these more uh, advanced cases, are they surprised that you bring in some of these uh, Eastern modalities? Yeah, they are. But you know what? I think that these days people are really more open to it mm-hmm. than maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And so they're really interested in hearing to hear what I have to say. And so when I start telling them about, okay, these herbs can help you or changing this in your diet can help you. They really do pay attention. So I really like seeing the shift in, in the way that they're listening these days. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool. I see it. I see it more and more. So if someone is interested in learning more about Ayurveda, we'll give your information afterward, but someone wants to learn more about this, this science of life, this Ayurveda, 
where where's the best place to go to start would you suggest you know when i first started learning about it i went to the Chopra Center because I was really a big fan of Deepak Chopra for years. I, I have some of his books from even back when I was in college. And so I started I started with that and I started listening to some of the different webinars and videos that they put on. And then I, I got a couple more books from them. And that's where I really started getting um, my first bit of education on Ayurveda. Okay. And that's right there in California where you are. So Mm -hmm. lucky you, lucky you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So give us all the information. If someone wants more information about you, about working with you, about uh, reading anything you've written or hearing you speak or anything, where can they find you? So they can find me on my website, which is drmichelle.com. So that's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-E.com. And I have my um, body wisdom coaching program. All the information is there for that, which I run that about three to four times a year. And I have just different blog posts and information about detoxing and yoga and Ayurveda on my website as well. Awesome. Well, I hope you'll come back on the podcast, maybe next change of season, and we can talk about what to do uh, in the fall and the winter for for, um, aligning with nature. And, and just being in better balance. So that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Michelle. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's been awesome. Thanks. Back to Happy. A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy, in paperback, Kindle and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.